Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. <laughs> Maybe I should have said that in like a sailor kind of <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye, welcome to Screams After Midnight. Uh, we <laughs> talk about horror movies. This is a horror movie podcast. I am Peter, of course. I'm joined as always uh, by my whippy. <laughs> was, that, was, that, was that the word, Tim? <laughs> Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, if it wasn't clear from the black and white and the ridiculous uh, joke so far, uh, this is finally our episode where we're going to talk about Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. Uh, so that'll come after the horror movie news, which I think will jump back to your typical colour visuals uh, to differentiate it. But we'll be back... Uh, black and white with our discussion there'll be a timestamp uh, both on the screen and in the description uh, for the movie discussion but here's this week's horror news <laughs> yeah so we're going to talk about uh you know some trailers we'll talk about some uh, horror movies in the next past couple of weeks or the past week rather uh it's worth mentioning though it's weird that we're doing it this week because there's not going to be one for the next two weeks because tim is away in australia doing god knows what but <laughs> avoiding kangaroos and the apocalypse which is also happening in australia yeah. right now you picked a hell of a time to go to australia tim oh yeah uh, so <laughs> yes but anyway so, uh yeah i'm sure i'll have uh, plenty of creepy australian stories when i get back that i can't wait to share with everyone <laughs> they put pineapple on their pizza <laughs> it was terrifying oh it was terrifying okay all right so yes uh, horror movie news for this week first up don't breathe an evil dead co-writer uh rodo Sayagus. Sayagus, maybe i'm saying that right uh is actually going to be directing don't breathe 2 so this, this is this kind of reminds me of lee Wanell doing insidious mm. 3 uh, true, yeah. the, the co-writer so obviously uh, Fede Alvarez did uh, these two movies that Evil Dead uh, Don't Breathe so it reminds me of that in the sense that Lee Winnell uh, you know was the co-writer on Insidious 1 and 2 with, uh, with what's his face James Wan <laughs> thank you uh, with James Wan and then went on to direct the third one so if the results are going to be similar to that then I, I could be on board uh, so sure. this has uh, been given the green light green, green light the green light is what I'm trying to say um <laughs> So he's going to be here. Stephen Lang is confirmed to be back as the Blaine Man. Uh, no, <laughs> no Jane Levi uh, by the looks of it, though, which is a shame because I like Jane Levi. But I guess it makes sense. It makes sense, I guess, that he's the one you carry because he's the the premise is based around him. If you don't have him yeah. being the Blaine Man in the middle, then there's no movie, right? Uh, so Don't Breathe Two is set several years after the home invasion of the first movie, with the Blaine Man living in a quiet solace until his past sins catch up to him. Oh, so this is people. That's maybe so. The, the whoever's in this movie might be targeting him specifically because they know who he is. That could be okay. a d different spin on it. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, I, I think this is kind of exciting. Uh, it's definitely an unknown quantity. Like, you know, uh, it it sucks that Freddie Alvarez isn't coming back, but yeah, at the same time, at least they're getting someone that was involved with you know uh, the previous movie uh, as well as Evil Dead, you know, which we both like uh, as well. So. Um, at least writing wise, you know, the, the guy, you know, I'm sure has the chops. Um, so I don't know. It's, you know, can't say I'm, uh, you know, against it. Uh, the only thing is, I don't know. I just feel like, um, I don't know. Is this a movie you want a sequel to the first one? You know, I, I, I it's not impossible to have a sequel to, but I don't know, it just seemed like a really good, like standalone movie. 
But yeah, I think obviously it was a standalone movie. I can see, like, I, I, I'm actually quite pleased that there's part of that description that feels like it's shaken up a little bit. Uh, the implication yes. that whoever's coming to the house this time, you know, the, the implication that they know who he is and they're there for him specifically changes the stat or not status quo but changes the premise just a, just a little bit just twists it enough that there's some new yeah. element to it in the second one so hopefully they can play with that maybe this is someone who is prepared for him uh, and mm-hmm. it becomes more of a, a war between two like you know equal opponents as opposed to you know mm-hmm. three people who are caught off guard and like oh shit this guy's terrifying like yeah. you know it could be something like that maybe the guy coming after him can't hear <laughs> so you're, what you're saying this is this is a sequel to both don't breathe and see no evil yeah. hear no evil <laughs> i mean <laughs> I, I, I thought you're gonna say hush or something but oh, I no. <laughs> that doesn't make as much sense <laughs> no, no, i was going but, with the classic uh gene gene uh, uh oh god richard Pryor and gene welder uh yeah it sounds about welder, right yeah welder. i just try to remember his last name uh yes Yes. Uh, so that's Don't Breathe 2 uh, is officially moving forward and we have the co-writer of the first one uh, directing it. So unknown quantity as a director, but it, that could work out. I mean, hopefully he's been on set watching uh, Freddy do his thing and, yeah. can, uh, and can mimic yeah, it. Yeah, I, I really hope that they don't change the title either because I, I, I miss just having simple like movie <laughs> number yeah, next to it. Well, I, I will hate it if it's a colon. I won't necessarily hate it, though, if they do a play on words where this time it's like, don't, uh, you know, speak or don't. Something, you know, like if they do like a play sure. on it. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. mind that as much because that's kind of, that's got a bit more wit to it. Um, mm-hmm. But, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, don't breathe too is I'll, fine. <laughs> yeah, at, at least it's not like the blind man colon don't breathe too or something (laughs) (laughs) you mean like brahms the boy too well that that one gets a pass though because what what does does that get a pass that doesn't get a pass you kidding me but when you get someone like brahms you want to sell that baby oh jesus all right uh so (laughs) next up paramount pictures is remaking the paraguayan thriller morgue uh Mm. I feel like I heard about this movie recently, uh, and it's one that was like on the. We should do that at some point, list, But who else? Okay. Uh, so this is a horror writer, Eric uh, Heiserer, who worked on Bird Box, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I presume that's the remake. Uh, the Thing. I presume that's the remake slash prequel. <laughs> and Final Destination Five. I mean, mm. I kind of enjoyed that as a sort of goofy, fun, bad movie. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> this guy's this guy's uh, filmography so far is not uh, super hot. Uh, so he's going to produce this under his chronology banner uh, reports deadline uh, the original version of morgue was written produced and directed by hugo cardozo and featured dialogue in spanish and guarani uh, so by the way all, all this stuff that i'm reading is from bloody disgusting just in case uh, i don't credit them enough for their, their text so here in, yeah in spanish and granny like granny like a grandma no, granny <laughs> g-u-a-r-a-n-i granny okay <laughs> I, I can't tell you where that language is from but that's that's what i'm reading here uh so here's a, here's a description of the movie but it's like some weird grandma language okay after hitting someone with his car and fleeing the scene a freelance security guard is assigned to cover an a shift at a hospital where he discovers the body of his victim in the morgue as the night progresses he is tormented by his guilt or something more sinister well, that sounds like a pretty cool premise, or at least it, interesting. It does, actually, yeah. Uh, I think we have to seek out the uh, the original here. Uh, yeah. Because, you know. Um, so, 
Wait, hold on. It sounds like something... Oh, wait, what? Why, why did they leave this to the end of the article? Bloody disgusting. What are you doing? It just it casually mentions at the end of the article, Heiser is also the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of Arrival. <laughs> Look, I get that it's not a horror movie, but that is clearly the best thing that he's written, and you didn't put that in the initial list. What the hell? Wow. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Wow, what a pedigree. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, no, I mean, I, I like the premise. It definitely sounds interesting. And then, uh, you know, uh, it'll be really interesting to see the, uh, you know, the director they get with it. Because, you know, e- even when something sounds like really good, it, you know, ultimately is going to fall on, you know, who they get to work on it. So yeah. uh, they get like a cool voice behind it. Definitely could be interesting. Yeah. So I think that's one we have to try and seek out. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's Morg. Sounds like something Shudder would have. <laughs> It does, doesn't it? Maybe they'll get it soon. Maybe they'll get it. Uh, next up, uh, Mark Jenkin, who directed Bait, which uh, I don't think either of us have seen, uh, will be directing... Is that the... Oh. Is, that the uh, is that the one about the sharks in the grocery store? I have no idea. But it sounds <laughs> great. It sounds amazing. <laughs> don't know, I don't know about this. A, you know, I'm pretty sure it was an Australian movie, uh, and it was like... Um, there's like a like a flood or tsunami or something and uh these people are trapped in a grocery store and then it like fills up with water and there's like sharks <laughs> in there okay okay i'm intrigued i'm intrigued it sounds like yeah. a weird aussie version of a uh, crawl but uh, you know yeah i'm into it <laughs> I went to it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. so Marjorie and his next film is going to be the Cornish set horror film Ennis Man. Or maybe Enos Man. Maybe it'll be Enos Man. But I'll, I'll say, it, sorry. I just okay. butchered, I butchered this title. Enos Man, not Man. Enos Man. Uh, the film. <laughs> oh, it's a completely different movie. <laughs> okay, so oh, really? Never okay. mind that. <laughs> All right, fine. Yeah, Bait's not the, 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 the fun yeah. sounding movie <laughs> with the sharks and the, and the grocery store. So what, this film. Enos Man. Uh, the film revolves around a woman on an island with only an ancient standing stone for company, haunted by echoes of both the past and the future. Not the past and the present, not that. Uh, so, yeah, so this is a, this is a one person on the their movie own. I was thinking of was Bait 3D. <laughs> Very it's good. <laughs> Very good, yes. Very close. What do you think about this film about a woman with a, a, a stone? So... <laughs> so wait, so uh, she she's on an island with, with just a stone, that's it? With an ancient standing stone. So think like a Stonehenge-esque stone. Okay. I mean... Uh, if that's a starting point, but then what happens? Does a stone come to life? Does it start showing her things does it drive her crazy and there are other things on the island this is why you pay attention to him i said she is haunted <laughs> by echoes of both her past and her future okay well i mean i don't know this woman did she have an interesting life like is there like if, if that was happening to me i don't really <laughs> have the most interesting life that would that'd be boring movie yeah you regret not getting that extra slice of pizza that one day that, that'd be would be weighing on you <sighs> Don't remind me, please. <laughs> <laughs> Still think about that. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, th- this is this is kind of like this, uh, it's a little too vague to really make out a uh, you mm-hmm. know <laughs> uh, to get excited about, I guess. But you know, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily like write it off or anything yeah. though. Could be uh, good. Apparently, the title's Cornish for Stone Island. Uh, 
it's going to start shooting in Cornwall in May 2020. Uh, so. Sounds corny. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, next up, Lombardo Bava, the son of Mario Bava, uh, directed uh, Italian horror films Demons and Demons 2 back in the 80s. So I'm quite fond of those, especially Demons mm-hmm. 2. I quite like that. We've not done those in the show yet, but I mean, we should do at some point. Uh, so, <coughs> yes. Uh, so c- coming up, coming up, coming up. Uh, yeah. So the first film starred Goretta Goretta. Uh, well, I even I not even know that was the actress's name, Goretta Goretta. Uh, as the character Rosemary, as fans of the film surely recall, Rosemary's undergoes a gruesome transformation into one of the film's titular demons. All these years later, Bava and Goretta are reteaming on a new horror film to be co-produced by Bava and directed by the Demon Star. So Goretta Goretta is going to be directing a new film produced by Bava. So they're teaming oh. up, but now she's in the director's chair. Uh, so uh, Kansas Bowling uh, is uh, going to produce the film, which will be shot in 60mm in New Orleans sometime mm-hmm. this year. Uh, the movie, okay. and this is all that we have for the the, 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 the the description, this is all the tease they've given. The movie <laughs> will have DNA closely tied to Bava's original Demons film. Okay. Cool. I, 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 mean, don't, I don't know if that means it's just like a, spiritually it'll have a similar sort of mm-hmm. feel. Is it set in the same universe, maybe? Yeah. You know, possibilities? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, again... Yeah, they're not really telling you much, but uh, I mean, I think it's enough to get excited, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know like the demons movies as well, so you know this could be cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so pretty neat, pretty neat. Um, yeah, that's good. I'm you know, I'm, I mean, who knows if Greta Greta can direct movies? I have no idea. I don't know she's I don't know if she's done anything yet in uh, the director's chair, but we'll find out. We'll find out indeed. Uh, next up, Orion Pictures has found the director for their Eli Roth produced horror. 1031 uh which he previously called one of the best scariest premises for a horror film that i have read in years so (laughs) i remember that yeah so Gigi sol guerrero is going to direct the horror thriller about a young woman who takes her niece and nephew trick-or-treating and discovers a note inside a candy wrapper informing her there's a killer on the loose on her block i have to admit i do quite like that premise uh that's cool that's a cool premise now here's the thing. So this is called Ten Thirty One. It's set at Halloween. Mm-hmm. Are they going to get this done in time for this October? Because it's a horror movie. Mm. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I would hope. I would hope. Uh, so uh, Guerrero directed. <laughs> if they like releases the week after like <laughs> Halloween or something, just uh, morons. <laughs> yeah, uh, Guerrero directed the short film El Gigante and an episode of USA's The Purge. And an episode of Hulu's Into the Dark. Uh, so, Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> could go either way. <laughs> yeah, the the Into the Dark episode he did was called Culture Shock. Do you remember that one? Oh yeah, that was one of like kind of the the more notable ones. Oh okay. Uh, the I don't think it necessarily. Um, I I didn't love it. I, I would say it is, you know, better than. Uh, you know, a good portion of the Into the Dark ones. Uh, but at least at the very least, that one had something to say. Because if I remember correctly, that was the Fourth of July episode, and it was about um, like um, like people kind of trying to like you know flee uh, across the border, and then there's kind of a um, uh, thing where like these immigrants kind of get like wake up in this very like picturesque American town, and you know, almost like a like weird warped reality where 
you know, they're in this, uh, you know, town that seems a little too good to be true. But uh, it, it, it was interesting. Uh, <laughs> very depressing one, though. Okay. All right. So that's, that's interesting. So uh, that'll take us on to next story, which is an interesting one. So uh, Corey Taylor, uh, who you may know from Slipknot, Mm. <laughs> this is the singer from Slipknot okay. uh, he has written a script for a horror movie that he plans on directing uh, so I mean we just watched the movie but directed by Fred Durst recently Fred Durst. <laughs> uh, so I mean I'm not feeling super hopeful about this but who knows maybe Corey Taylor and obviously we both hate Rob Zombie movies so yeah. <laughs> the track record for musicians directing horror films uh, is not high uh, right now but there's an update here. Uh, Heather mm-hmm. Wixon reports uh, from Daily Dead that Tom Savini's team will be handling the makeup effects for the film. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Um, Jason Baker, who's uh, Savini's partner, uh, is, has confirmed it via social media. Um, and there you go. Uh, so, they can talk about the fact that they're doing it, but there's no not real any plot details yet. Uh, to talk about so we don't have any premises but we do have again some interesting names to kind of okay so Savini's still doing something interesting because <laughs> when was the last time Tom Savini did anything you know in terms of actually actively working on effects I don't know I think he's he's mostly retired yeah. um, I, I know Shutter just put out a documentary uh, about him which I haven't watched yet but I've been meaning to but uh, hmm. no I mean yes you know Savini's obviously great um, you know what's sad I'm just trying to think of like <laughs> Yeah, you know, the list of like musicians that have you know done like horror movies, and honestly, like I hate to say it, but Rob Zombie might be <laughs> the Aww. best one. I mean, like Aww. between Rob Zombie, Fred Durst, Glenn Danzig, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See, this is, this is I mean, clearly they should just stop trying because yeah. they're, they're cursed <laughs> to make terrible movies. So we'll see how we'll see how Corey Taylor's yeah. movie ends up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything against him. Like, I don't really uh, necessarily like that music. But, I mean, uh, if he does something cool, like, I'll, you know, be down for it. But, again, like, a lot of this stuff just usually kind of feels like vanity projects, you know, which Mm. I I don't think ever (laughs) end up that great. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll buck the trend. Yeah, maybe. Uh, So I had a couple of trailers there. We just got two we're going to talk about this week. Uh, First one is the Morbius trailer, the (laughs) vampire movie from Sony, uh, which is a Marvel Spider-Man character that is getting its own movie. Uh, Much in the style of Venom, they're trying to really milk the fact that they own the rights to the (laughs) Spider-Man characters by doing an entire shared universe only using Spider-Man villains, which is insane. Of course, the most interesting thing about this is probably the fact that Michael Keaton's character from, you know, uh, Vulture from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming shows up at the end, which is intriguing because that is tying it to the MCU as well. And maybe that's part of the the, the recent deal that uh, Sony and Marvel kind of struck up to keep Spider-Man, you know, shared between them. So that is, I guess, kind of neat, but this trailer looks like garbage. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, I don't know. I thought it looked pretty good, honestly. Um, oh, like, here we go. <laughs> it's like it's so badly wants to be like Batman Begins. Like it's not <laughs> even like it, it's not even like trying to hide it. Like the music feels like uh, the, the exact same. It has like you know that whatever like standard uh, you know music you get in every like trailer now where it's like boom 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 like and uh and i don't know i honestly i think i would be 
at least a little bit more excited if it wasn't Jared Leto. Like, I, I mean, I guess he's a fine actor or whatever, but he seems like such an asshole and it's kind of hard to separate him <laughs> when he's in a role. Like, sometimes yeah, I, I don't like Jared Leto at all. Um, yeah. I just see Jared Leto when I look at this movie. The, the yeah. actual content of the trailer looks like a cross between, like, I mean, I never saw it, but just based on the trailers for these other movies, like, I'm getting, like, Dracula Untold meets <laughs> a little bit of Van Helsing, which I have seen and, like, meets a little bit of something else. That I, you know, like, it, I mean, it's barely a horror movie. I mean, we've got it here because it was funny to talk about and it's just a vampire, yeah. but... I mean, the, the thing that's weird is, like, I actually do like Morbius as a character. He, you know, because, like, he... I mean, he's been around for a while, but he feels 90s-ish to me. I mean, it's because I just first learned of him when i was watching the spider-man cartoon in the 90s which was funny because they had um uh if you watch the 90s spider-man cartoon like they had this whole big vampire arc but the show was so heavily censored like they couldn't even like mention blood so they had like morbius and he always craved plasma (laughs) (laughs) like it was just like so stupid like i want plasma like all right um but i do like there's like a, a one brief glimpse in the trailer where he does look like full morbius where he has kind of like you know the the bat like nose and fangs and like gray skin and that does look really cool to me because that is like morbius from the comics and i really if we get a movie where he's running around like that like i don't know i might be kind of game for it but i don't know i'm also nervous that that's just like a quick thing that maybe he'll transform into that for like five seconds at the end or something um which is going to be really annoying but i don't know i uh, I tend to like these like horror action movies, although I feel like, yeah, most of the time they are disappointing, you know, with a few exceptions, like the ones you mentioned, like, you know, Dracula Untold and Van Helsing, like on paper sound really cool and then end up being very <laughs> not the, good. Uh, Tom Cruise mummy movie was yeah absolute garbage. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and also it's, it's kind of weird with like Morbius cause it's like, well, I, I mean, it, like who does he fight? Like, <laughs> in the in the comic books um you know like a lot of times he'll, he might be part of a team if like you're going after dracula or something but i don't think they're gonna have him fight dracula uh, yeah in this movie um i mean honestly it's probably gonna be the exact same thing as venom where he's gonna end up just fighting like a you know shittier version of himself like mm-hmm. i i bet that he's gonna be running away from federal agents and then there's going to be like one agent or scientist guy that's like, well, let me inject the thing that he injected. And then he becomes like a worse vampire and then I'll have to fight him. <laughs> like, I can almost guarantee that's what's going to end up being. Yeah, um, Tim, that is shockingly, like, probably going to be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I would not be surprised by any of what you just said. Uh, I mean, especially, obviously, the fact that, like, uh, you know, they don't really have uh, access to any other, like, Marvel villains or anything. Um, so I, I don't know <laughs> that aside though like uh, honestly i am still excited for it uh i it, it does feel like super early 2000s superhero movie it does. which uh but the, the weird thing is is like that shouldn't be a good thing but i, I don't know I, I feel like all the other superhero movies we have now i'm like kind of getting a little tired with so it's almost kind of like a nice throwback to like, oh yeah, remember when the superhero movies were like this? Okay. Oh, you mean bad? <laughs> Not all of them were bad. <laughs> Most of them were bad, right? This is this is Daredevil, Electra, Ghost Rider <laughs> era, and 
dare, dare I say those those first Hellboy movies were in that era? How dare you? Yeah, but they were good. <laughs> and then some no, of the no, exceptions. No, 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 no. no, no. no. <laughs> I, 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 I won't hear hear of it. Um, no, no, no. no, no. But, uh, I don't know. Was there? Oh, the well, the yeah, like you mentioned, like you know, the connection to the MCU again, like. I, I don't know. I don't really care about it. Do you know what's weird? Is I feel like the whole point of Vulture showing up is that they want to like set up the Sinister Six, and then presumably maybe like Spider Man Four, the M- you know the MCU will do. They can use the Sinister Six. But the weird thing is, is neither Venom or Morbius are Sinister Six characters, so, <laughs> so they've not even really got got to any yeah. of those yet. It's, it's I don't uh, know, bizarre. Uh, but yeah. And, and like, I'd be very surprised if his role is much bigger than that in the trailer. Yeah, it's probably just a cameo, uh, for fun's sake. Uh, so that's it out July thirty first. Uh, see it if you dare, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> most of the stuff we talk about on this on this news uh, does is en- ends up stuff that we're probably going to review, right? Because the main part of the mm-hmm. show is the is the review that we do every mm-hmm. week. Uh, well, six times a month now we do. Uh, <laughs> but um, I feel like Morbius <laughs> is one that maybe we won't or like I, I don't know like is that worth reviewing at all and if it is worth reviewing is that a screams review or is it just like a regular 121 review i don't know that said though tim's the only one who actually knows who morbius is and like anything about him so tim would have to be there for it uh, so <laughs> I mean, it hasn't stopped you before but <laughs> look my 2020 new year's resolution is to fit tim into the schedule when when schedules permit <laughs> I, 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 you know, sometimes uh, you just want to be asked, you know, you, you don't want to go to the dance, but it's always nice to be asked. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll, we'll see how you feel when I start my Buffy podcast and I ask <gasps> Matt to be on it. <laughs> I dare you. I dare you. Okay, so we got one last uh, trailer to talk about, just the two this week. Uh, we got a trailer for The Siren, not to be confused with the TV show Siren on Freeform, which looks like absolute garbage. Uh, so that's... And is, uh, isn't there another movie called Siren, too? Like, the that was based on the one of the segments from VHS? That sounds kind of familiar, but that, that was just Siren. This is The Siren. Okay, because I think it's on. It might even be on Netflix right now. Because I think I just added it to something, uh, even though I, I heard it wasn't that good. But I've never seen it, so. Yeah. So. So anyway, so this is a film called Siren. Uh, a man searches for a secluded lake for the monster that murdered his husband, uh, while that monster falls in love with an unsuspecting visitor in Perry Blackshears. Uh, the siren and this is actually the the guy who directed they look like people which i just saw for the first time a few months ago and loved mm. so i i mean just in the director alone i'm kind of into it and uh, this is actually hitting uh vod at the end of the month so this is oh, going this to, month this month yeah oh, i thought it said in may on the trailer it says january 28th uh 2020 mm. so um i like you know this is something we're going to have to fit into the schedule at some point but uh, so in the film, Tom, played by Evan uh, Dumuchel, he was in Doctor Sleep, right? Okay. <laughs> he was in Doctor Sleep. Uh, he's a mute man from a sheltered religious background who is hunted or haunted, sorry, by the childhood accident that cost his him his voice. While on a retreat at a lake house, he meets Al uh, McLeod Andrews, who was in a, a Ghost Waits in Doctor Sleep. Two Doctor Sleep actors, really. Uh, hmm. 
whose husband drowned in the lake one of many mysterious deaths there. Uh, so, the trailer's very... It's a teaser trailer for sure. It's not, like, super detailed in terms of plot. It's some shots of the siren. Uh, if you know what the siren is, it's basically a mermaid. Um, and it's, you know, some moody shots of the guy looking out of the lake and some atmosphere. Uh, I like this. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about, but, but I actually kind of liked what I saw of it. Yeah, no, I, I'm on the same page. Uh, I, I haven't seen They Look Like People yet. I've heard good things. I do, um, you know, want to check it out at some point. Uh, but the... Yeah, it was like a very, you know, had like a nice, like, you know, moody atmosphere to it. And um, yeah, I, I like that they kind of, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of trailers give uh, too much away. Uh, but this was actually like a nice teaser. You know, they give like, you know, uh, they kind of talk about sirens, give like a few glimpses of it and kind of give you some idea of what the, uh, you know, tone of it is going to be. Uh, but, it, you know, it all looked pretty good. Yeah. yeah. This was like a lot shorter, which is funny. The Morbius trailer was also supposedly a teaser, even though it was like two and a half minutes long. But... Yeah, the main the mainstream studios that do teasers for these big budget movies are not teasers anymore. They're just the first yeah. trailer. <laughs> so that's just how it is now. Uh, it also adds here, part dark fairy tale and part elegant nightmare. The Siren is a heart-wrenching story of passion and revenge that will take hold of you and never let go. So, uh, looking, look, I'm looking forward to seeing this. Uh, I really liked it. Yeah. I really liked They Look Like People. Uh, that's another one we have to do in the show at some point. But okay. uh, So this is The good. Siren. Yeah, sounds like it could be a good double feature with uh, Gretel and Hansel when it comes out. I'll let me get that at the same time, Tim. I think that's one that we yeah. have to do. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying we have to do it at the same time, but I'm, I'm saying this, this movie might be a good <laughs> pairing with uh, okay, it. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> They're both like dark fairy tales from directors of other movies that you liked so <laughs> i suppose yes logic logic does <laughs> add up so that is uh that is the news uh, and i think because we're doing this uh, uh well i mean obviously if you're on the uh the audio version of the podcast it's all just one show still but on youtube this news is now separate uh, as a separate ep- uh, video and i think this means that this the end of the news segment is probably the good time to do any questions that people have now we don't have any right now uh but it's the sort of thing where we could start accepting questions on twitter oh, at, sure. at screams midnight um, or you can send them via email to mftvquestions at gmail.com so you can send either to there or on twitter at screams midnight if you ask questions um, we'll start maybe answering a couple after the news segment uh each week so you could do that and cool. that'd be fun yeah, yeah. Uh, so like i said uh, there won't be news for the next two episodes next two weeks because at, uh, we've got i mean we've got movie reviews the, the movie reviews are going to be up we've got we've got that all stuff pre-recorded uh but mm-hmm. tim is away in australia for two weeks and because of that uh, news is kind of you know we can't do that in advance the news kind of happens as it happens if we talk about it so uh no no news <laughs> for two weeks but when we come back, uh, maybe we'll have a couple of questions. I'll ask on Twitter and uh, we'll maybe get some in the email. So, uh, yeah, check, send them in. But anyway, so that is this week's horror movie news. So, of course, as always, we will start spoiler free for the movie and we will give you warning before we get into spoilers. Although, I'll be honest, outside of one or two. What could you spoil? Yeah, outside of one or two <laughs> moments, I have no idea what I could possibly spoil in this movie. Uh, I'm actually I'm a little bit nervous about talking about this movie. Tim. I have I don't know what this conversation is going to be because I a don't slow descent into madness most likely. I don't think I can sufficiently 
describe in detail you know when we get to like talking through the movie kind of in order i don't know if i can tell you the order of events for a lot of it like there's oh, the, sure. there's a point in the middle that kind of like okay <laughs> there's a lot of stuff before that there's a lot of stuff after that but other than that i, 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 I <laughs> the whole thing just kind of blurs together in a weird you know delirious <laughs> dream I we'll we'll make it work we'll it'll yeah. be fine <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so this is uh obviously robert eggers who did the witch and this was his hotly anticipated follow-up movie uh stars william defoe and robert pattinson as two lay housekeepers uh you know what one obviously defoe being this the senior veteran in charge and pattinson being the first timer who's his, his uh secondary and it's them in a lighthouse a little island and kind of slowly going mad uh, especially once uh their you know their ship to go home doesn't show up uh yeah. and the descent continues from there and it's I might ask this, but as good as I can do, I think, uh, as a succinct <laughs> description. Uh, so, you saw this in theaters. You watched that again for the yep. review. Um, I just watched it for the first time, and well, I'll, I'll Tim, how did you feel? <laughs> how, how do you feel about the lighthouse? Well, I mean, uh, obviously, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that uh, I absolutely love this movie. I mean, <laughs> we already did like our uh, uh, decade countdown, and I had it pretty highly up there, so. Uh, you know, it, it's not a secret how I feel. Uh, watching it again, though, it, it just really confirmed uh, how much I really dig this movie. And um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it is it is like really hard to describe. Uh, you know, I, I think some people were saying that they don't even really consider it a horror movie. I still definitely would consider it a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like, what I was thinking. Uh, and, and also, you know, uh again like you know with the list and stuff that we've done i i had the witch uh you know very high up in my decade list as well uh and i i think what eggers does so good is that he i i feel like he's able to kind of capture almost like experiences like on film like to me like the witch is like all about like paranoia kind of spiraling out of control and to me this is just like descending into madness like i i feel like you really go on a journey with these characters uh to the point where by the end of it you also feel like insane you're like like what did i just see like what happened what's real what isn't uh and i mean the performances were great you know it it looks really good uh you know i'm sure you'll want to go on a, a rant about the aspect ratio um but you know like eggers just does such a, a great job what is that supposed to mean? How dare you? Also, uh, this has become a bit of a trend. At what point in the recording I noticed Tim did a tweet on the at Streams Midnight Twitter, uh, you know, before we started. But I just, I received notifications for some likes on this. Uh, so Tim today, before we started, said, we record on Sundays, which kind of makes the podcast our church. And Tim, well, he's our God. Uh, Tim, of course, being the, kind words. Yes, Tim, Tim being the author of this tweet, referring to himself in the third person. Uh, <laughs> might, might we add? Just, just why, why did they throw that out there? Why did they throw that out there? <laughs> did you see the gif? I did. Yes, it's from Prince of Darkness. Yes, uh, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm fond of that movie, <laughs> and it's one that we should do uh, again. Again, yes. Uh, so, well, wait. Well, don't we have? Uh, Wait, is this year? 
our fifth anniversary. It is, yes, yeah, our fifth anniversary is in May, I believe. Um, so maybe uh, for our anniversary, we redo our first episode. Yeah, well, we had to do it at some point because uh, those first, I don't know, forty episodes or whatever are pretty <laughs> terrible. I need to be done. Um, actually, interestingly <laughs> enough, we I actually just redid one of our early episodes on a different show. I know. <laughs> yes, but arguably, it is more of a sci-fi movie than a horror movie. Although it's it's honestly neither like completely a hundred percent. It's it's this weird in between cult movie that veers slightly more sci-fi than horror. Uh, I'm trying to think if I can think of what it is. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll just say. Space Vagina. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't tell you to do that movie. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm referring to God Told Me To, of course, look for that at some point on the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Uh, but anyway, uh, so... Or some of our fans refer, to, refer to it as uh, Tim Told you, told Me To. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever snap and do anything drastic, Tim, I'll, I'll, I'll use that. I'll use it. Thank you. Tim told me to. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, layers. Uh, processing my feelings in the lighthouse is kind of kind of <laughs> difficult, to be honest. Doing this within like twelve hours of watching it is extremely difficult. Uh, I, I I've had the benefit of uh, yes. sitting on it for several months. Um, yeah, I like how it looks. I like how the movie feels. Uh, it's got this kind of old timey feel to it. It it looks like a movie that's obviously set back in like the I don't know twenties, thirties, whatever it is, but. Yeah. It looks like it was made in the 60s. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay, yeah. It looks like a movie that was made yeah. in the 60s, but set in the 20s or 30s. Yeah. And it's black and white. The aspect ratio is a very unique one. I've not actually looked up what it actually is, but it's not 4x3. Uh, you, you probably looked at it and thought, that's 4x3. And if you thought that, you're a layman, because <laughs> it's actually, I think it's one-to-one, I, I, mean, I want to say. Or at the very least, it's... Um, the old silent movie ratio, which was not four by three, that was actually a little bit uh, uh, more square, um, I believe. Uh, so, but it's definitely a bit thinner. It's a bit thinner than uh, a four by three movie. So, very weird, very, very interesting. And I think part of the reason for that is that you have the height of the lighthouse, so the idea is that you can frame it better in a tall image as opposed to a wide image. Okay. Um, is is probably the thinking beyond just the the, the old timey feel that it maybe wants to have, but uh, but did I like it? <laughs> I, I think I liked it. <laughs> I, I I think I did. I I I mean I, I definitely appreciated how it felt. I definitely liked the performances. I definitely liked a lot of the visuals and how weird it got at points. I definitely liked you know the the overall feeling it gave me. But it's hard to quantify, Tim. Sure. <laughs> it's hard to quantify. It's a very unique, weird movie. And, um, yeah. You know, you're here largely for, for the performances, but it's definitely one of those things where you have to sit and think about what you think it means and what the interpretation you have for it is. Because it's not a movie with a clear cut, like, here's the beginning, middle, and end, and here's the answer to what was going on. Like, it's not that at all. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> it's not even remotely close to that. So... Yeah. Uh, but yes, very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. There's like a, definitely a lot to think about, uh, and you know, I, I don't know if there's a, a ton of people that could get away with something like this. But I mean, yeah, like the the performances are are so good that I, I think it easily like sucks you in. Um, 
you know, between just the way it looks and, um, yeah, just two great actors really playing off each other. And then, uh, again, just the, the idea of like, it, it just feels like you're slowly going crazy watching it, but I, I don't know. It's so like effective. Uh, like, like I feel like that's the goal just to slowly spiral <laughs> into like chaos and madness, uh, which I, I think, it, you know, it does very well. You're fond of me, lobster. <laughs> and that's actually, and actually, I will say, um, it's surprisingly funny in some parts. Mm. Uh, like I heard some people saying, like it was almost like a comedy, and it's like I definitely wouldn't go that far. But I do think there is some like, you know, weirdly like, uh, like comedic moments, which I, I guess maybe would just kind of be like stuff that like breaks from the norm or something uh but yeah like you having like these two men like shouting at each other fighting and then all of a sudden like you know acting like a married couple or you know like slow dancing or, or something <laughs> like it's just uh yeah there's actually some surprising like you know uh tension relieving laughs in it yeah and it's it's obviously there's like a is there something supernatural going on right is, is there as they're really sea creatures and you know sirens and stuff like that involved yeah. and uh that's one of those things where I, I know how patterson feels on it patterson did an interview where he said like i made a movie i made a movie about uh going mad in a lighthouse i did not make a movie about a magic you know <laughs> island yeah. or whatever like you know he he was very clear how he felt as he was making it but uh th- those possibilities are definitely there and uh, those those things to talk about with like what's going on is it just people going mad or is it is it something's actually affecting them you know uh there's, there's some lovecrafty elements of course and um there's a lot of phallic stuff going on in there uh a lot of uh you know homoerotic tension as well quite frankly <laughs> sure uh yeah. it's it's a whole it's a whole thing uh so i i mean i guess i'll give the spoiler warning because I, I honestly at this point I, I don't know what to do except start talking about moments and ideas and scenes and right yeah get get into it uh I, I will add that i also like the uh there's not a lot of music in it but i did like it whenever it popped in uh oh yeah so I had this droning it, it, honestly the, the start of it reminded me a lot of uh a bella tar film in a lot of ways um partly because it was black and white but also partly just because it was like all these long shots of things happening uh not as long and drawn out as bella tar bella tar is the king of making you wait for like five minutes for something to move on on the frame because that's what he does but uh really good stuff so uh yeah so uh spoilers then for the lighthouse i'll take this time though to thank our sponsors or our producers rather if i say the right word uh for for patreon producers uh, so thank you to david short alison m four days cindy palacious and tyler hess for being our producers that means they are 20 dollars or up on patreon.com slash tv but you can support us of course for as little as one dollar per month over there and get access to an exclusive bonus episode every month uh for one dollar per month and there's a whole back catalogue now so if you sign up you get access to the last like 12 or 13 that we've done uh, so there's a nice little treasure trove waiting for you in that right firefly my cat's staring at me uh, <laughs> but that is uh, that is it so uh, that's quite the, the rest of the movie then um, so obviously the first things first is that uh, the movie kind of follows this idea of William Dafoe telling Robert Pattinson to get his work done and do your your duties and that involves cleaning everywhere uh, fixing things that break down all that kind of thing and he's a particularly strict about it where he's like oh you've been 
you've been slacking on your duties, lad, haven't you? And, you know, insist that he re-scrub things, stuff like that. He's working him to the bone. Uh, there's a scene where Patterson, like, drags this keg of, like, kerosene all the way up the, the lighthouse stairs, and he's completely sweating and about to collapse. And Defoe just pulls out, like, a little oil and kisses, why don't you just put some in this, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of that, and he's getting more and more frustrated. Uh, but he's specifically told... Uh, to not uh, harm the seagulls, the uh, the seabirds, because it's yeah. bad luck to to kill a seabird. But this one particular seabird seems to have, <laughs> you know, his mindset on making Robert Pattinson's life miserable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and eventually, when he does snap, which I'm assuming now again, the order of events is really hard to follow in this movie from memory. But I'm assuming this is before the ship doesn't appear. And yeah. the implication is that the reason why the ship doesn't appear is because, as he's told, it's bad luck to kill a seabird. But Robert Pattinson, uh, on the last little stretch before they're going to leave, gets so frustrated that he grabs the seabird and just hits it repeatedly off the rock, uh, just whipping it back and forth. I whip my bird back and forth. I whip my bird back and forth. That, that's basically what he does. Uh, it's yeah. very visceral in how he does it, but also really silly at the same time because he's just flopping this bird around. Uh, you know, and it's like, okay, all right. So there's the there's the omen, there's the bad omen, and then from there things get a little bit more uh, weird. And there is weird stuff that happens before uh, they don't get picked up, but it, it, that's where it really properly starts to get weird. Because uh, everything before that, I would say, is more of a almost a straight drama about uh, like him being worked too hard and the expectations. And the one key thing that comes up, of course, is that William Defoe under no circumstances wants to let Robert Pattinson up to the, the top of the lighthouse. He's not allowed to be near the light. Uh, that is for him and him alone. And even though the rule book says that he's supposed to you know, take shifts up there, he's like, nope, that's mine. You do everything else. I have the light watch. That's my duty. Um, and that's kind of like a big thing the movie revolves around is the, the desire to get to the top of the lighthouse and see what's, what he does up there and what's going on up there. And... That's before we even get to the sexual stuff, but yes, could tell you. Yeah, because uh, Willem Dafoe, he's like a you know control freak, and he's yeah you know, like a veteran of this, so he's been doing it a while. So he has a very specific way of how he wants to everything to be done, and um, you know, and it also seems like he like takes like a lot of pride uh, in his job and likes being a lighthouse keeper versus uh, you know Robert Pattinson, who seems like he's just kind of doing it to do it you know like he just mm. like he needed a job uh and then you know he's like very by the book so he wants to like oh yeah i'll just do it this way that way and then um you know it is that part of you know what you know leads him into you know like going like mad is like um you know constantly being told like no you're not doing it the right way do it my way follow me and like no you can't do this can't do that um I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's very interesting. And then, uh, yeah, but then you also kind of get the feeling, though, that, like, I don't know, I guess maybe, like, Willem Dafoe kind of likes, you know, like, kind of ordering him around. You know, and, like, and, and I almost get the, the sense, too, that, like, I don't know, like, I, I could see maybe if there was, like, a different type of person or something, maybe he might not even like it so much, but it's something about, like, Pattinson that he really likes pushing his buttons. It felt like a, a statement on masculinity to me, like the way he has to make oh, sure, sure. His, his dominance is appreciated the entire time, uh, yeah. kind of thing. 
Uh, almost like the light, like you could almost kind of make a thing where you say like the light is almost like a woman or something where he's kind of like, hey, stay away from my girl or something. I mean, he, he even says that at one point. He says it's a better, better wife than a than oh, living sure, with yeah. a woman. He actually says that at one point. So, I mean, that's the, but obviously uh, the, the lighthouse itself is phallic shaped, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just more penisy. <laughs> Nothing else. Um, but then at, at some point, though, when you say it, it kind of feels like it, it, it kind of turns where he like starts taking on more of a, um, I, I, like I, I don't want to say like female role or something, but he he kind of like seems like he's turns into like a doting housewife like at some point where and like pens and almost becomes like a you know like a drunk abusive husband or something. No, it definitely plays with that because we see. Because whenever it's dinner time, even from the start of the movie, like Defoe's attitude kind of changes, and it's like this is this is socializing time, so we're nice yeah. to each other here. Um, and Patterson doesn't really want much to do with it, but like that's kind of the time for that. Uh, as the movie goes on, like there's a lot of like you know weird, like they, they do feel like a bickering couple, um, and it feels like even though. Like it almost feels like they're fighting for which one gets to be the man. Like that, that's almost what it feels like. Sense, yeah. Because yeah. there's points where, like, obviously the whole idea of like Defoe putting his foot down, and saying, "No, you can't have this," and hiding the keys from him and stuff like that, and keeping a journal of his performance and like whatnot. Uh, he's trying to be the one in charge. But then there's times where Patterson, like you say, gets goes into a drunken rage and uh, wants to assert his dominance, and you know they do hate each other at one point and. Uh, but there's also times where they slow dance, and there's definitely there's a moment when they're dancing where they almost kiss. There's a moment where they're kind yeah. of like you know, like an inch away from each other, and there's like oh they make kiss, um, and instead they start laughing and you know doing whatever well, else. That's but, when like the like toxic masculinity really kicks in because then mm. he like pushes him away and kind of raises his fist like you know what are you doing? I'll fight you. Yeah, so that is like a constant theme in this movie. It's just, it's, it's it's all this. Um, and it's not so much that I think they're attracted to each other. I like I. Oh. It, it, it's definitely. I feel like it's more about just how when you're just it's just two people how every yeah. facet of your like like the desires and needs and like fears all kind of start coming out. Then regardless of the fact that you know like you don't have the type of people that you would normally need around you to you know elicit some of these reactions. Like yeah, like people kind of start taking on roles, you know, where yeah. it is like, you know, oh, like someone has to be, you know, the mother, the father, the, you know, the son, you know, whatever. Like it's, uh, yeah, like people kind of slip into these comfort zones and stuff. Yeah. And then you also have this idea of guilt because the, like at the very least, it's, it's, it's almost outright stated that Patterson <laughs> killed a man, uh, possibly intentionally when he was work- working uh, lumber, um, and he has nightmares of like falling under the, the logs in the water, which is kind of what he did to the guy he killed that we, we see like small glimpses of. And uh, he's on the run. And uh, But the other thing here is, uh, and this is what I was really thinking throughout the movie, is that both characters were actually the same person. And, and, okay. and, and I was thinking that long before it was revealed that uh, they, they both had the same name. Because obviously for most of the movie, uh, he's what Ephraim is uh, Patterson's character and Defoe yeah. is Thomas. And then we find out eventually that Ephraim's a new a name that he took on because he's he's hiding because he killed someone and that his real name is also Tom, and so when he said that it kind of confirmed for me at least it's intentional that I'm I'm kind of thinking uh, along these lines that they they both represent different parts of the same personality uh, or the same person and like 
you know the 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 strive for dominance the one being dominating over the other uh the idea that one's taking on the the ego role of of being like right about everything and thinking he's, he's always there the other one being the angry one who like is constantly challenged to try and fight back like i i think there's an argument to be said that this entire movie takes place inside like Patterson's mind like i could yeah i, I think there's an argument yeah. to be made for that uh and it's, it's all of it's just him all of it's just the, two different parts of who he is um yeah. especially since not only do both have the same name but both have you know weird sexual drives where we see both of them masturbating at various <laughs> points in the movie where Defoe's yeah. up in the lighthouse doing it and it's kind of eerie and surreal there's a point where uh Patterson sneaks up the the stairs and he's looking up through the grating and Defoe is clearly masturbating but there's also hints of something else up there which is kind of hinting at the Lovecrafting stuff which we'll get to separately but uh yeah. we see like jizz like gooping down from above and like passing has to dodge it uh yeah. we see you know defoe's kind of humping his own hand in his bed and passing's <laughs> kind of watching that as well and then later on and or, or spread throughout we see passing masturbating himself uh looking at this little uh siren like you know statue or figure or whatever it is um yeah and like so that, again the idea of the sexual uh frustration the sexual pent-up you know energy is also at, at play here uh and the idea that this is as this is getting stronger the more because sort of crazy they're, they're getting and the, the weirder they're getting with each other because they're the only other person that's around it's like, like you said like they all what once you're alone with one other person all of a sudden that one person has to be everything in your life it has to be your your parents your siblings your friends your lover your everything um oh god is that what's happening to us <laughs> well tim did send me a message as he was watching this last night it says the lighthouse is basically just the story of our podcast um and i was on stream when i said when this was happening so i i said this to people and they said that i was the defoe and you were the patterson uh which yeah. i'm okay with to a point <laughs> i mean you're definitely farting a lot more than me for sure you don't know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah because because the foe's very dismissive of him throughout the entire movie he's like ah, oh, go do your duties lad like that's that's his kind of thing the whole time uh and he farts in his face at one point <laughs> go watch horror movies lad what do you think you're some sort of professor this is my lighthouse uh so yeah, there's, there's so much to there's so much to kind of like t- take into account here with all these little moments and uh, like because obviously once they're on the island and it's just killer stride and the, the the storms are constantly raging, uh, the, the 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 place they live, you know, the bottom of the lighthouse is filling up with water. The they run out, they're constantly drinking. There's a whole thing in the first half of the movie where Patterson won't drink alcohol. He keeps saying though he's on duty, he's not supposed to, so he drinks water instead. Uh, but the water's kind of off because the uh, uh, it keeps getting contaminated. But then halfway through, it's like they're almost done. So he's like, "Hey, just have a drink. I won't rat you out." Uh, and he takes a so he takes a drink. And from that point on, they're both just getting drunk constantly. And they seem to like each other when they're drunk, but not when they're sober. Uh, so again, it's just this extra layer of like the the delirious. And then eventually, when they run out of booze, they start drinking kerosene to get drunk which you know 
not the healthiest <laughs> move in the world. Yeah. <laughs> My cat's sticking her tongue out at me. It's very funny. <laughs> That's delightful, Tim. It's delightful. <laughs> uh, take a picture of it. I'll post it later. <laughs> okay. Okay, picture on social media. Uh, probably <laughs> probably weeks ago by the time this goes up. But uh, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a hard one. And then you have the Lovecraftian elements, which there's hints of tentacles where at one point when Defoe's masturbating up in the top of the, uh, the lighthouse. And then, of course, we see a siren, sort of brief glimpses, and some of it's more implied to be dreams. Uh, of course, that really kind of culminates... Uh, in this weird masturbating uh, section where it's kind of cutting between the creepy stuff, the the the, the guilt memories, having sex with the, the siren. And we do see like a, a vagina for the siren like quickly, uh, kind of just in the middle of everything because obviously there's no legs. <laughs> it's just kind of yeah. there. Uh, so that was a I mean, trippy... That's just, that's just mermaid physiology. Come on. <laughs> of, of, of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what full of me yes that's where the mermaid vagina goes uh and the, and you know like sometimes you know you can talk about like dream sequences and you know hallucinations or whatever being like cheap and it, they definitely can be a lot of the time but i think it's like used very effectively here where well i mean you know, if you're going down the lovecraft path of like there's a force making him go mad and the force sure. is, is this siren that's kind of like luring him into the madness then you know, it's not even just a dream. It's like it's her kind of, or the the entity is kind of seducing him. So it's, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's a dream with purpose. It's a dream with intent behind it. Uh, yeah. So so it's effective in that way. But then also it just, uh, especially with the black and white, I feel like looks really really good. Like, you know, it's uh, you know, it's creepy. Uh, you get just enough of it to like give you like you know a little bit of a horror vibe, but it's not like again, you're not watching this because you want. Uh, you know monster movie jumping out at you mm. but like uh it's cool that it gives you like enough just really beautiful like imagery and stuff to kind of satisfy that itch but of course the lovecraftian stuff could just represent his madness uh and oh, yeah, you know the most we ever see of it of course is when he eventually kills the foe you know they fight uh, and he kills him and it's as he's killing him we see like tentacles coming up behind him because it kind of becomes because <laughs> he's, he's on top of the foe but it kind, of, it kind of turns into the mermaid and it's kind of like he's having sex. It becomes very sexual looking. And then the yeah. tentacles kind of start coming up behind him and they look quite good, uh, I will say. And it's this idea that, okay, so this is him fully being taken over. Like he's been completely seduced by this thing or it just represents the madness and he's completely went fully mad. But that said, there's so much stuff in this movie in the second half that could, could yeah. just be dream sequences, could be happening, could not be happening. But like I say, the entire movie could just be inside someone's head and both these characters represent the same person. Yeah. Uh, Which, yeah, that, that's interesting because then if, uh, if that is the case, um, you know, it's almost like he's literally trying to bury that persona of his because mm-hmm. uh, you know, he walks it out like a dog and, yeah, just, uh, you know, puts it in a hole and starts uh, <laughs> burying it. Well, if you think about it, he's t- the younger one, you know, Patterson says that he wants to, like, you know, get a good job, uh, raise, you know, get some money and then settle down somewhere. And Defoe has already, like, had a wife and kids and left them because he was at sea and he, you know, just wants to spend his days working on a lighthouse and it's almost like the younger persona let's say this is a character who's already lived his life the younger persona is trying to kill the older one because the older one represents all the failure of you know not getting what he wants like there's a a lot to read into there uh in in that sense and 
the idea of the personas like try to like strive for sexual dominance and then like you say yeah. eventually actually just outright trying to kill the other one if you're if we're going with that that idea yeah. and then that's like eventually what ends up just killing him altogether because then yeah, that, yeah like, that's... it's all about getting to the light right it's all about getting to that yeah. one thing uh the obsession became about this one thing that he was told he couldn't get to so he eventually, you know, steals the keys after he's buried him alive. And I thought the burying alive thing, because when I say he kills the foe, we think he's dead, but when he puts him in this grave, he's actually still talking. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he comes back, like, one last time. Yeah, but he's, like, digging, he's, like, he's like just shoveling dirt on him. And credit to the foe here, because he was having, like, dirt, like, flying into his mouth as he was talking. This was <laughs> icky as shit to watch. That, yeah, that, that actually really, I, I don't know if that's, like, a common thing, but that's actually, like, something I really hate seeing in movies like just i don't know, just imagining like dirt especially like that much dirt in your mouth i'm like ugh. yeah because like you know if i ever get like any like you know if i get something in my mouth like i immediately need to go like you know rinse it out and then just yeah thinking about it ugh. Mm-hmm. but i mean who knows maybe maybe you know it's a movie maybe they use like cookie crumbs or something to <laughs> throw to him yeah, it's black and white maybe it's yeah maybe it's just uh <laughs> like thick like chocolate cake that's been crumbled yeah, in which case, hey, sign me up, Eggers, whatever, <laughs> whatever movie you're doing next. Who wants to shovel chocolate cake at my face? I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, but uh, so he goes up to the lighthouse and he goes in and he and the light the light itself the light bulb opens as if it's as if it's got a door. Uh, maybe that's a normal feature on a, on a maybe maybe there's actually kind of a central bulb that you change. But this felt like a really weird thing to me that this had like a door on it. This bulb. Uh, yeah. and he looks into it and it's so blendingly bright like you know it takes away all the darkness and it's almost like if we're going with the idea that this is all in his head and he's just killed his other persona that this moment of seeing the light is him seeing the truth you know <laughs> it illuminates the darkness it illuminates everything and he like knows in that moment who he really is and he falls seemingly to his death but he's actually lying there alive in the bottom outside for the final shot of the movie where the, uh, the seagulls are just basically pecking at him uh, yeah. and eat him eating him but he's still alive to feel it all um and maybe that's what the movie kind of represents is that he's alive to experience all this um all this pain you know again going with the idea that's all in his head um yeah. and that mm. that's what life is unfortunately it's a very depressing <laughs> message of course but you know <laughs> what do you think about like the the passage of time in this movie because you mentioned before how like mm. um you know they talk about how they miss their their boat but then i I don't know. I kind of also feel like is all this even taking place before the boat was supposed to come? Uh, Because like there's that one scene where he's kind of like, "How long have we been here?" You know, like one day, two days, like weeks. You know, like uh, and again, just another thing to kind of you know compound on this uh, idea of going crazy and insane is like, yeah, how long of a time span are we really looking at here? Yeah, I I know. There's also uh, another interpretation of this film about. you know, I think like you know, mythical stuff like uh, Proteus and like you know the, like you know, mythical figures and like who they represent and stuff. I can't even t- begin to talk about that. I don't sure. know that shit. But I, I just wanted to acknowledge that that's also like a, a take that I've seen just just from my okay. quick glance today. Like that's one thing that people talk about is the, is is that side of stuff. And then of course there's the idea that maybe is the most exciting to us from a, a you know a horror movie perspective is that there's actually a Cthulhu or, you know, a sea monster like cosmic entity that is seducing the character and making him go mad. And that's yeah. what the, the siren is. And that's what the tentacles are. And at the end of the movie, uh, you know, it's basically him seeing that truth or seeing 
uh, you know, finally reaching that that moment of like true madness that the the entity wants them to achieve. Um, yeah. But and and it also kind of and uh, it's probably like a lot of stuff you can make about just you know in general like man versus nature and mm. stuff you know where you know like yeah obviously all the stuff with the seagulls and but then i don't know maybe just the idea of you know trying to control the sea or something you know like you know like the you know lighthouse you know the idea of um you know like just you know a way to make the you know uh waters like safe for people to travel and you know nature being like no like you can't control us like where you know we can become rageful and violent like you know we can mm-hmm. be calm and nice but um yeah it was like definitely a lot to that you can make like said about that yeah no yeah the sea's like no instead we're going to control you yeah kind of thing yeah. uh also again another thing is the idea that just to go with the whole they represent two parts of the same personality uh, there's a moment where Patterson tries to take the lifeboat out. It is the, the water. Oh, yeah, yeah. The water's clearly far too rough to actually take this little tiny boat out in it. But uh, you know, Defoe comes up and just smashes it with an axe and says, "Don't leave me! Don't leave me!" So <laughs> you know, again, this ties into the whole they're a married couple now kind of idea, yeah. or but it also ties into the uh, the idea of one personality like desperately not wanting the other one to leave. Uh, because as as and the other thing that's worth mentioning is that if we're taking everything at face value, uh, Patterson does find a head at one point that implies that Defoe killed his previous uh, rookie, um, and the fact that this has never been a problem for him to continue doing this job is also an implication <laughs> of like this is not just a real world thing. This is you know yeah. in a head or something like that. Um, but or again, is this just Patterson going mad and he's not really found anything? This is just the cosmic entity making him see something. Uh, so I mean those are kind of the main ideas that were running through my head is that you take it at face value uh, and there's a cosmic entity making him go mad uh, that's all inside someone's head or it's not inside someone's head but it's just someone going mad uh, and like raging against the other person so I mean those are kind of the three main broad ideas that I can kind of go with in terms of talking about the movie which one like I don't know if I lean towards (laughs) anyone more than the other um i feel like all three are equally kind of valid and to me interesting (laughs) yeah well i mean i think with like a lot of you know like good um you know like i don't want to say artsy or whatever but you know movies that you know maybe have something a little more to say and then Mm. you know just like a regular hollywood movie or whatever that's very obvious or or something like that you know each person can kind of you know get their own conclusion out of this and you know, there's multiple interpretations and, um, you know, like the, like, uh, you know, I, I do think I, I lean more towards with like, you know, what, uh, Pattinson was saying where it's like, uh, yeah, I, I do agree that I don't think there's necessarily any supernatural stuff going on, but, you know, people can easily make their own conclusions and, you know, say that it's not. And then, um, yeah, the, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think like a lot of art that's worth examining, <laughs> there's, you know, multiple interpretations and, you know, what you kind of get out of it is, you know, completely valid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where I stand on, you know, any one more than the other, but I do, I mean, it's a, it's a unique experience. Uh, and no movie I've that's... seen in a long time has felt like this, so. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I, I like so much about it. And uh, also, I, I think something that kind of makes it a little hard to talk about is, 
that it is an experience. It's something you're just going to have to see for yourself. Like, mm. you know, just describing it, I, I feel like doesn't do it justice. Like just saying like, yeah, I mean, Willem Dafoe, you know, farts a lot and orders Pattinson around and they go crazy <laughs> and there's weird, you know, psychological stuff, but it still doesn't prepare you for like when you're actually watching it. And it is, uh, and again, like a lot of the movies, uh, you know, like some, some, sometimes with like the more, you know, art house stuff, um, I, I'm not as hot on it. I feel like, you know, the big difference with the, kind of the, the things that I don't like is I, I don't feel like sucked in enough. And this is one of those movies that like just sucks me in like right from the beginning, you know, to the point where I'm instantly like, I like the way this world looks. I like, you know, uh, the way these characters are talking and interacting. I like this imagery because, uh, yeah, it's hard to describe everything I, I think is like so beautiful. Like it's like when you're talking about the you know scene where he finally makes it to the light and it opens up like that's like a really like beautiful scene i think um and then like you know when there is like horror stuff like you know the mermaid sirens and you know the tentacles stuff like uh you know uh when we talked before about like uh the mist and stuff like black and white actually does really help like hide like sometimes cgi not looking so great uh but i think this all like looks really great uh and I mean, it helps that there's only two quick shots of it in the entire movie, so sure, you didn't sure. have to do a whole lot of it. <laughs> that's true. That's true too. Uh, and 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 I mean, you know, I, I like my animals and stuff, and like I love the seagull. Like it's such a, I, I wish I had a cool name like Black Phillip, but uh, you know, all the seagulls. It's, really cool. it's a seabird. It's a seabird. Seabird. <laughs> I um yeah. no the movie the movie looks great. It has great great atmosphere and feeling to it and it obviously has two great performances it's got a lot of intriguing ideas and intriguing things going on <laughs> it's so hard to quantify though it's such a weird movie uh compared to even the other art house stuff because i like a lot of art house stuff and this is definitely its own beast in that sense you know this is not a david lynch movie i can this, this is very even though david lynch is also very weird this is a very different type of experience to a david lynch movie yeah um like i say the closest i mean it's it's quite, i guess it's somewhat close to bellator in some ways but it's not and bellator doesn't get as abstract as this bellator tends to be very straightforward but the shooting style of it makes me think a little bit of bellator uh, even though bellator uh uses a lot of long takes like bellator is known for like 20 minute long shots that's kind of bellator's thing like he makes a movie that's three hours long but there's only like maybe 25 shots in the whole movie like that's like th his thing uh th this obviously isn't that but uh there's definitely mood moments and feelings that i got very early on once it got weirder not as much but i yeah i mean i get <laughs> we're at the point where we're rating it basically so i mean tim yeah. like how are you rating the lighthouse uh you know what i i had been thinking about it uh and I think I'm going to give it a straight up 10. I Whoa. <laughs> I honestly, I do think it, it is a, it is a masterpiece. I think the performances are just phenomenal. Uh, the, and another thing that Eggers does so well is like everything feels very, you know, period accurate, which, um, you know, again, I, I, you know, it's not like they put an exact date to it, but you know, you get the feeling that they're yeah. going for that kind of time frame, and everything feels authentic. It looks authentic. And, 
Um, you know, it's beautiful. It's something I've seen twice now and it's, you know, stuck with me. Uh, you know, both experiences have been just as like engrossing and, uh, charming and, uh, yeah. And, and again, I just like it, you know, it's different. It's an experience. It's, uh, it really makes it stand out. So I, yeah, I, I absolutely adore it. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I can't really think of like, you, you know, uh, a, a lot of times, like to give something a 10, I, you got to kind of try to think, okay, is there at least one negative thing that I can point out that I don't like that would bring it down? And honestly, I can't really think of, you know, anything about this that I would really like, you know, knock points off for, uh, like, obviously it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. So I don't, you know, it, it's not like a perfect movie that everyone should love, but, uh, for me, it, uh, you know, I can't really think of anything I disliked about it. There you go. Um, so <laughs> if the lighthouse, I'll, I'll give it a four. review. <laughs> <laughs> If the lighthouse is a penis, then this movie is essentially about uh, two personalities of the same person try to gain control of their penis. That is that is how I am choosing to interpret this movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, it's a uh, you know, every penis has two balls, and the balls are always fighting for dominance. <laughs> That's what this movie is. It's about two testicles at sea fighting for control of the penis. They're semen. They're semen. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> we cracked it. A semen! <laughs> um, okay, so this is this is a tough one. I feel I feel like this is one that's probably going to go up or down or like change so much for me over time as I see it again and have more time to think about it. Uh, but it's got such a strong artistic feeling. And in a year where a lot of the mainstream movies, I was bored by how everything felt like, oh, we want to reboot this franchise, so let's do, let's do this soft reboot formula where we kind of introduce some new things, but ultimately we're just trying to hark back into nostalgia, and it's a corporate yeah. product made in a boardroom. This is not that. This is a batshit insane filmmaker saying, <laughs> I want a movie that feels like this, and I'm going to do everything I can to make it feel this way. Uh, yeah. and because of that yeah. it feels genuinely unique as you're watching it and you don't know what you're in for you don't know how it's going to end you're really genuinely in for a, a an experience of, of a movie um combine that with good performances good sounds great visuals uh, a wonderful overall atmosphere i'm going to give it a nine okay it's going to get a nine <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that's a uh, high enough scores for both of us to at least put it in the, you know, Hall of Fame for this show, at least. The Hall of Fame. We don't have the Hall of Streams. We should maybe we should do like a Hall of Streams at some point. Um, we should do. Like right, a... If we, yeah, if we go back and look at the like, the scores for each movie, I, I do wonder, yeah, what the highest ones would be. <laughs> there was a small time where I tried to keep track of what we were rating movies, but I kind of lost track at one point, and it was it was too far gone to like go back and catch up. Um, if anyone wants a project <laughs> to go back and like get all of our scores for every review um and sort of show and maybe do an average between the two of us as to what the, the total you know the total is i don't know or maybe we just uh every so often get together and try and like say okay this this year's entry into the streams after midnight uh <laughs> hall of fuzz or something i don't know uh like every, every you know every year we get to put three movies in uh, and they have like, to be at least a few get, years old and made, like, I don't know, make a case. The, the Golden Boy Award. 
No, uh, no, no. That's not what's happening. Uh, not the Golden Boy Award. I will. I will accept maybe. I don't know the the shape award. It's just of course the shape. <laughs> the shape of an award. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Okay, look. There we go. We've read the movie. The, the done, 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 uh, this, is, this has been The Lighthouse that screams after midnight. Let us know what you think of the movie in the comments below. You can like and subscribe all the usual stuff. Get us on the Twitters at Screams Midnight for uh, various shenanigans. Uh, Tim's usually doing doing nonsense on there. Uh, you can, of course, support us by rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us, uh, you know, give us a nice review and that'll uh, have more people will find us that way. Uh, you can share us out on social media. You can support us, as I mentioned earlier, financially over at patreon.com slash TV. Uh, $1 gets you exclusive access to some episodes or, uh, you know, bonuses every month. Uh, $5 gets you access to a vote every month as well as early access to two episodes per month. Uh, so go and check out, check out that. Uh, otherwise, though, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Scary Movies, guys. And we'll see you next time.